and then that with Anakin, you know, kind of duplicating the Luke Skywalker role, but you see the echo of where it all is going to go. And instead of destroying the Death Star, he destroys the ship that controls the robots. Again, it's like poetry, it's sort of they rhyme. Mm-hmm. Every stanza kind of rhymes with the last one. Hopefully it'll work. book two books i don't like the verb record as a now nouned up like that like they do sometimes well it's just it's just isn't it just record no the like podcasters will be like you know when do you want to like when's the record oh oh yeah that's how that was a good record (laughs) you know like that sucks that's very stupid i don't like it i don't like any playing with language or any sort of imaginative <laughs> usage, okay? I'm conservative as hell. Well, I guess that I guess that's a dead giveaway for how you're gonna feel about these two books. Oh, I'm steamed up. Ooh boy. Simic, poet laureate of the United States. More like uh what a boreate <laughs> to my state of affairs. We Is that hate your official criticism. <laughs> No. We hate imagination. We hate clever uses of language. And we hate what's happening. And we hate what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I just want I just want the most yeah. Not like I'm even more minimalist than, than Carver. I just want literal I don't even Please. want di- just declarative sentences, no dialogue. Bring it back to my favorite type of writing. There's yeah. no there's no reason any book should be longer than ten pages. Just tell me what happened. <laughs> I I know you already made it up, which is already bad enough. <laughs> Welcome uh, to Spine Crackers. Spine Crackers. This is the first episode of the new year. And yeah. the first in another way as well. Yeah, the first time we're talking about poetry, which should be fun because we don't fucking know anything about poetry. We know yeah. fuck all. <laughs> Not Defi- that we did with other stuff. Let me ask you a question. What? Uh, what? It, what is poetry? What is? It's what actually, is it? It's actually a great place to start. Let's just talk yeah. about. Let's just talk about that for the whole episode and not talk about the books at all because we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> well, I yeah. think it actually. I mean, it could be infuriating if you're like a poetry scholar or whatever. You know, like any scholar who has to listen to us like fucking bungle our way. If that's not entertaining, I don't know what to tell you. Listen. But Listen, I think we do okay, generally, even for the scholars out there. But this specifically might be infuriating to people who know anything about poetry. But I think this is also like a very uh, normal situation for a lot of people who even claim to be readers or fans of literature. Right. There's there's like the poetry gap for some reason. 
you know? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people who, like, even read a fuck ton of fiction just don't, they just don't really touch it on poetry very much, or maybe they read, like, some some of the classics or whatever, but, like, certainly not, not you know, most modern stuff or, or anything approaching it. Yeah. On Google, I just typed in what is poetry and then a suggested question came up that said what can poetry do to people and it says poetry teaches word economy i'm like that it's kind of like twitter a, too though right a, yeah and then number three is poetry is inspiring <laughs> <laughs> two very different poetry sentiments just, about it poetry just is inspiring it and then it's is. poetry uses powerful imagery <laughs> what what who what is this post super helpful i don't know it's fucking google but yeah what are uh your guys's like any background what's the last time you read a poem like who did you do you did you read any poetry or, or, or were you a fan of any poets before reading this really basic i don't know do you guys have an answer i can't i know i did in high school but i can't remember uh, anyone I've read, but I remember them being like older. Is Walt Whitman a poet? I think I read some Walt Whitman. I think Whitman wrote poetry, right? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't actually know. I remember like high school poetry is like Robert Frost. Yeah. Yep. I've definitely uh, I've definitely put in some time with Frost back in the day, but it's been Dick Dickinson occasionally. I really didn't yeah. Walt read Whitman Dickinson. was a poet. Yeah. Okay. I read, uh, like, you know, I read some, I read some, similarly to what Paul said, I read some stuff in high school, including some, like, you know, what would have been, at that time, contemporary stuff. Like, uh, I, I read um, some of Louise Gluck's stuff back then, yeah. who, who just won the, uh, what, the Nobel two years ago. Yeah. Um, but... I like literally, you know, I, a couple other random people like there was the there's like a there was like a series of editions like it's like the Yale Young Poets series, which is like a pretty prestigious thing to have your poetry published there. I picked up a couple of those just on a lark at back at Barnes and Noble and read through them and was like, this is fine. But again, like I don't fucking know. It's just one of those things where it's just and, and maybe this is a misconception that I have, but I think a lot of people probably have it, too, is that. You know, it feels like there's a level of specialized knowledge that you need to have in order to get like full critical appreciation of poetry, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Well, there's so many like highly rigorous forms of poetry across like hundreds of them across like cultures. So to a certain degree, that's probably true. Luckily, we're reading prose poetry. Yes, and if you didn't, if we didn't say before, it's uh, two books of poetry by Charles Simic, uh, "The Lunatic" and "The World Does Not End," one of which won him the, uh, the Pul- Pulitzer. Yeah, the Pulitzer in poetry in, in 1990, I think. "The World Doesn't End," and then uh, "The Lunatic" is from 2015. And in 2007, he was given the title of Poet Laureate of the United States. Yes, wow. Which is weird that I had never heard of him, but that could just be me. Yeah, it's I don't I don't know. So this was my pick these these two books, uh, but I didn't really know much about him. He was just like a name that I had heard in poetry as like a generally respected contemporary poet who had done some really good stuff. And uh, 
I was just like, we should do an episode on poetry, and his name was literally the first name that popped in my head. So that was that was basically how it came to be. And I, uh, you know, I was just kind of he he's published obviously a, a, a ton of collections of poetry, and I kind of I, I picked the world doesn't end because it's you know supposed to be one of his better ones, and it won some prestigious awards and all that. And then I picked just roughly at random a more a more recent collection in the lunatic. It works. It definitely shows. Uh... A shift in I don't know, like pers- like focus on subject matter and definitely form. I mean, I was gonna I was hinting that it, that we did the training wheels thing where it's prose poetry, so it's it's essentially like we don't have to like know what a sestina is or like a fucking sonnet to yeah to well, appreciate the, I, it. The lunatic is a little a little bit more traditional poetry in the sense that there is like there are stanzas, which is. <laughs> That that yeah. that word is the extent of my technical poetry knowledge. Some of it like rhymes. Liter- yeah, it rhymes occasionally. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, at, it, assonance. <laughs> I'm just saying words. I'm just sure. saying. No. I'm not even saying. I was just saying other poetry words. That's just a general linguistics word, though. <laughs> There's definitely syntax within this, and certain <laughs> consonants and vowels are being uh, definitely being put yeah. to use here. <laughs> In ways I recognize. I think he. I think he may even have some themes I, <laughs> going on. In and get ready, we're gonna unpack those. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what about you, Matt? What was your experience with poetry uh, before before this? I, I find it so weird. Like, I, I I've had really, I've been fan a fan like and had certain poems like really affect me but it just yeah it, it's such a tiny little sliver of any any of my literary diet that it always still just I just felt kind of um fraudulent or like I was just wandering into this essentially other I would I would call it a, like a, just a whole other mode of, of writing in a lot of ways and uh yeah I don't know why I just never really like uh I really liked um John Berryman he does he does the um yeah I forget what I already I can't even remember what it's called. That's how embarrassing it is. Uh, I, I like Dickinson a lot. Kind of super obvious ones. I like Anne Sexton um, mm. and uh, Elizabeth Bishop and uh, Charles Olson. Recent, most recently, I would say he's like uh, I don't know. But again, all I, right. I, so I'm, so Matt's the expert. I'm the expert technically. Uh, of the three of us here. But yeah, it's put on like your it's one for us right now. <laughs> I've never shut up, Paul. Don't try and be Mr. Cool. I I'm not Mr. Cool. I I'm looking at these. I'm looking at a list of poetry term, terms right now. It's like there's so many words. I, I there's like fifty. Yeah, I it's, know. It's I know crazy, simile. Right? I know stanza. I know sonnet. But there's like. <laughs> well, you know, even, oh, I know personification. Oh, E. E. Cummings. That was the other one that I. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. The other famous guy, but and then he, just like Shakespeare, because my grandma would make me read like Shakespeare with her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even something like sonnet, I know that I know that it is a word. But I have no fucking clue. Like, I don't even really, I couldn't even really tell you what it means. Yeah, yeah. Lo- it's like a love poem. It says this says right. it's a a closed form consisting of fourteen lines of rhyming. There it is. Iambic pantometer. Okay, no, Pantameter. no fucking idea then. Haiku. 
pentameter. Haiku. Let's just let's see how many minutes we can eat up just saying poetry terms that we know. We got to give people. We, we got to let people know like where we're. Yeah, at. yeah. Just in the interest of of clarity for you. Yeah, I mean my. I mean, where I'm at is like I I look at poetry as like lo-fi hip hop on SoundCloud, kind of. That's my. Whoa. <laughs> could you could you expand on the connection you see there a little just a little bit? Yeah, speak on that. I just. I mean, honestly, speak I just. It. I mean, I know that I'm false when I say this. It's just how I view it is more of just like, uh, like sketches almost like prose poetry. Just it's, I really liked what we read the world doesn't end book, but it's, it's like, I don't know my limited scope of what poetry is. I'm just like, why, why not just expand on this and connect it into a a novel? You know, I, it's, I I appreciate it. It's just like, yeah. You know, uh, it it seems like less effort or something to me, or so, you know, I don't know. Well, especially it always has seemed like more like an exercise of a literary endeavor than, mm. and it's limited in that way. To me, it's definitely Poems. a. What were you gonna say, Matt? Oh no no no! I mean, yeah, it's de- it is. It's just a different, you know, different form of writing. You know, I don't know. It's. Uh, I don't know if I would go so far as to say it's like less effort just because I don't know what I would it's, I think more in a lot of ways. I mean, if, yeah. if you're going to talk about brevity as a soul of wit or some sort of like if I had more time, I would have written less or whatever those kind of things are. It's like I would say in its ideal kind of or I don't know, you know, and it's it's very like arduous, supposedly task of really like because of, you know, as you said, Google told you, Paul, word economy. It's about kind of like pure concentrated effect and meaning kind of like smacking you in the face, ideally. Right. It's like the it's like a fucking distilled umami bomb of yeah. of of uh you know, yeah. Ideally it's sort of imagistic slash sense perception slash meaning slash et cetera. Like hyper condensed and like bound to a form, you know, for yeah. But then, like, when I think about contemporary poets, like, I immediately I'm just like, Rupi Kaur. Yeah. S- slam poets, you know, just sort of pulling the wool over eyes by just having, their, oh, there's so few words on the page, they must mean something, and then I'm doing, I'm doing all the work, but for no reason, because there isn't. <laughs> right. Yeah, I actually think that, that it's probably worth, uh, all of this preamble is to establish that we're, we are, uh, uh, you know, Philistines when it comes to poetry and deal with that, you know. But um, I think it is worth addressing the elephant in the room, which is like contemporary, briefly, which is like contemporary Instagram poetry and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the rupee cowards of the world and all that. Like, I, which is that I, a thing? I mean, yeah, it's you're you have been apparently blessedly <laughs> unaware of it. She's on like a world tour right now or something. Yeah. To just speak her the the three words on each page of her one collection or two that she has. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? Is it is that does she only have like that few but Listen, I don't want to give her even more airtime than she's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's take a look here. But anyway, I mean Paul, it's it's yeah, it's just this kind of like very like hyper hyper terse but like you know very kind of uh, I don't know. It's emo. It's just it's just like it's it. It just feels like someone took like AOL Instant Messenger away messages from 
middle school and turn them into poems, and she's famous as fuck now. Yeah. Or like Tumblr. Yeah. Tumblr passages. Yeah, she has like throws like three, three books. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, that sort of phenomenon for me, it certainly has not consciously contributed to me avoiding poetry, but there's a decent chance that it has subconsciously that like, okay, this is just what people are doing for poetry now. Like, this is what passes for good poetry. And again, it's a, it's a, a bit of a uh, conundrum because I don't have any fucking clue what passes for good poetry, but it strikes me that that shouldn't. Yeah, right. It's a. Uh, we talked about this before with like an art form that is, can be completely pointy-headed and like highly technical and obscurantist and like, but like effective, but that somehow still invites some of the probably the laziest hacks imaginable. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. I forget what other thing we were talking about. Maybe it was. Yeah, I don't remember the uh, specific context of that conversation, but I, it sounds familiar. But the spectrum is, like, wide as hell. Right. So, anyway, that's that's us on poetry. Yep. Um, so let, I guess we'll talk a little bit about, about uh, Simic. As, as Matt mentioned, he's, you know, he was born a uh, poet laureate. He was born originally in um, uh, Belgrade which at the time was uh, part of the Soviet Union. It's now in what, Bosnia, I think? Yugoslavia. Well, it was Yugoslavia, but I'm, I'm was, thinking like where it where it is now. I think it's uh, uh, Serbia, sorry. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so he was, which, you know, maybe thinking back on my, like why I knew his name, it was po- possibly because I have had a, general abiding interest in Eastern European literature and uh, sort of the former Soviet Socialist Republics. And, you know, like, that's why I picked Ugresic back in the day and that sort of a thing. Uh, So it's possible that that's one of the reasons that that Simic's name was bouncing around somewhere in my head. Um, And, uh, yeah, he he was born basically right in the lead up to World War II. He was born in um, 38. And uh, oh wow, he's a lot older than I thought. Yeah, he's like I guess that he's like eighty three, I think. Yeah. Still kicking, still teaching. Still, yep, still kicking. I think he lives in New Hampshire or something now. Yeah, he teaches at UNH. Oh, tight. Um, so so anyway, he had yeah like many experiences of violence and war as a child. They were forced to flee their home on multiple occasions because of bombings and just various uh, uh, the, the uh, forms of war-based violence. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of a better term for that. Uh, sorties. Um, Functional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, emigrated to the United States in, at, at 16, 1954. Lived most of his life, I think, in Chicago. He originally, I, I heard him give, in that longer interview that's on YouTube, um, talk about how he originally wanted to be a visual artist and his original interests were in like painting and stuff, which huh. I found interesting. I definitely like in my gut feel the uh, connection between the two a little bit with, with his poems or just poems in general and like, and paintings, I would say there, there's something there. Maybe it's just like the limit, the limitations of a canvas or something, but, or like there's certain 
I mean, there's obviously certain rules in poetry, and there's there's also weird rules in in painting. I would say too. Yeah. Even though you're like trying to break new ground or whatever, you're, there's still like certain. I don't know. There's like a contortion to it. Also. Well, it's it's that it's just the classic sense of like sort. I think Matt kind of hinted at this earlier as well, but it's just that classic kind of sense of like the the restriction of the form breeds greater tr- creativity potentially to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Or or it can do that. It stops you from just blah and like just doing whatever. It, just may, it forces you to consider you know choices of of what each thing laid down successfully is. But like with Simic though, I I don't know. I guess we kind of said we'd we'd talk about the Lunatic first. Yeah, so let's start with the Lunatic, which is the 2015 collection. Um, Because I don't know how much Simic is formally bound in any sense of the word. These ones in the Lunatic are definitely like far more like even just visually recognizable as poetry. Yeah, for sure. in In the classic like stanza line format. Uh, from the world does not end, which is like, you know, again, it's prose poetry, so it, it kind of looks like little. I, I was thinking of Robert Walser, like the microscripts and all that kind of stuff. Mm. All those little short, short, short stories he would write in like the insane asylum he was in. Ironically enough, with the lunatic that we're about to read, but right. like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's he's must have over the, his career dabbled in like certain forms and i don't know if he's doing anything more specific than that in the lunatic but yeah what would you say paul i was gonna say i I have noticed that he is not using any couplets which is uh two successive rhyming lines (laughs) isn't that up dude i need to know this too actually wait (laughs) is that how you say it or is it is it couplet it's see i'm a fucking moron i shouldn't even well no no that was good Well, it's in, because French, you know, Paul, Paul clearly has French associations with poetry because he said you should put on a beret. Yeah, he said I could, should put on a beret earlier. <laughs> it's knows not it's couplet. Painting, it's, you know. I'm pretty sure it's, it's couplet. Couplet? It's like the Americanized At version least, of a former French term, probably. It could be. Who knows what Maybe. the etymology is. Well, so anyway, wait. Say what it is again, Paul. It's just two successive rhyming lines. Yeah, these, there's very little uh, rhyme in any of these poems, for sure, uh, it, it, in any capacity, couplet or non. Yeah, and I don't know if there's any, you know, I should have done my research here, I don't know if there's any formal restrictions of any sort he's placing on himself other than organi- organizing the lines into lines and stanzas. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> So, oh boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I mean, there's I, I didn't count the number of poems in this this collection, but there's a no, there's a lot. It's divided up into four sections, which I think is maybe interesting to talk about down the line because the world doesn't end is also divided up into sections, and yeah, I, I feel like that's in and of itself to me sort of interesting because it invites right a sort of analysis of each section in and of itself. And, and sort of a comparison of the poems within that section. Um, and I didn't, I, I'd be curious to hear if you, you guys found any um, similarities in the poems that were contained within each subsection. Uh, we don't have to get into that now. Maybe just something to keep in the back of your mind. Um, I think, what, were you going to say something, Matt? 
Oh no, I just my immediate like because I noticed the same thing too. It's the same thing as Roman numeral yeah sections, and you're like, as soon as you see one of these blank pages with a big stately Roman numeral in it, you're like, okay, what made all that stuff prior that right. part, and what's this? Why is this part a part now? Uh, exactly. And for four, uh, you know, the, the, the immediate association I had was was like seasons or something like mm, that. Um, that's interesting. Well, and I, and Simic writes a lot about seasons. Specifically yeah. fall and winter, but in general, right. he's interested in the weather. There's a lot of snow falling outside of a, a window pane within the scene of another room. And that, that feels like cold, you know, Soviet satellite block or whatever, Eastern European kind of stuff. To oh, me. yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, I think that uh, it, it's, it's, there's this interesting kind of like through line in a lot of these poems in The Lunatic but also in the world doesn't end, which we'll talk about, you know, separately. But it's a similar thing. But yeah, you said like that kind of former SSR, you know, dreary, just cold. It's it's like uh, you know we have like dark academia now. It's like it, it's no 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 no. It's not like that. But it's I was gonna say it's like a, it's sort of like a dark pastoralism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's just this kind of. Um, not all of them take place on like farms or in the country or anything like that. There's a lot of poems that are set in. I don't know if you could talk about poems being set places, but that have images of, of the city and of urban settings and stuff like that as well. But yeah. um, a significant number of them are that sort of like dreary kind of farmhouse uh, farm life, but but make it dark and, and, and edgy. Yeah, I feel like in The Lunatic, he's, uh, he's discussing... More of them seem to have taken place, at least in my mind, in like a urban setting. Uh, yeah. And there is that shift where like it feels like at some point in one of the sections, he's just kind of like is in a pastoral setting suddenly and is just writing about like natural stuff. Uh, I think it's like, section two. Yeah, I'm, he shifts I'm, I'm, over. Yeah, and it's like a lot about like fields and cows and the sky and trees. Right. So I didn't know if he was doing seasonal shifts or it's just uh, moods as the, you know, kind of reflections of seasons and what those represented. There's one line. There's a little poem called Meet Eddie mm. uh, that I I didn't really. It's, it's like in the woods. It says like talks about the forest and stuff. Well, but There's just the opening line. What, just, I mean, what, one thing that I, I'll just jump in and say, I think just we can just read whenever we want to mention a poem. We can pretty much just read the whole thing if we want to. Right. Yeah, my point is though that I didn't actually like uh, very little in the in the lunatic like really like struck out at me, um, and this poem I'll read the whole poem if you want. The but the the opener yeah, the opener it. was strong. Do it. So, meet Eddie, and also the title kind of like flows into the the body of the poem in a lot of ways. Um, so meet Eddie, whose life is as merry as a beer can hurtling down a mountain stream. And I was like, "What? A, I love that. I like that. It's I great, like great image. I immediately have a sense of things. And then it keeps going. Uh, giving some rocks a wide berth, bumping head on into others. And going into a head spinning twirl like a little girl at a, on a piano stool. The water shouting as it rushes past. Are you ready to meet your maker? As the woods around him begin to thin and the trees don their fright wigs, as he prepares to go over the falls like a blind man strapped to an accordion. 
Again, like, you know... There's also a little clever, uh, uh, I don't know if it's a pun or a double entendre or what, with the title, right? Eddie is written, and and like the eddying of water, right? The Eddie is a a proper name, and Eddie is the... That's why that title in those first two lines got me, and then... I don't know how to say this, but just, yeah, just that one image. Sometimes that's what is fun about reading poetry, I guess, too, is just... You don't even have to sort of, like, take in the whole thing. Maybe ideally you do, but, like, even just... because like because it's so imagistic and tr- Simic is very imagistic as well. Yes, he's very scene setting. Uh, sometimes just like a a turn of phrase or an image that like aids you in in describing some experience you've had or like is just pleasing to you is is enough to like I don't know. Well, that's kind of it. what he. Yeah, that's kind of like what he describes in the interviews I watch with him too. Is like that's kind of his purpose and his point is just like to maybe connect with his readers in just a small little human way like that, you know? I want to read one that I thought was an example of how funny he can be because I thought The World Doesn't End was, like, really funny and The Lunatic was less funny, but it had some funny moments. He's definitely a a comedian. And this one is only funny to me because of the title. Like, sometimes you have to read the title in order for the whole thing to be funny. This Sometimes one's... it's like the key. It's like the key to allowing you even to understand at all what's going on. In yes. Place. Yeah. Yeah. Like this one's called Black Butterfly. And it's super short. So Black Butterfly, ghost ship of my life, weighed down by coffins, sailing out on the evening tide. And it's only funny to me because I'm just like, <laughs> it's such a kind of a deep poem, really. But it's just. I'm just imagining like a little black butterfly and he has this thought about like about <laughs> the ghost ship of my life. Just looking at a butterfly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you think it's funny. Comically that dark. Got so he got so moody a bit because he saw maybe a black butterfly. Yeah. Ghost ship of my life. Maybe it's funny to me too, because I'm just thinking about that early 2000s movie ghost ship. <laughs> Holy that's, shit! That's I a, forgot that's about that. That's a deep that. cut. Dude. That is remember a deep that movie? Cut. Yeah, I remember People it. People get like torn to pieces with like metal wire or something. <laughs> yeah, that movie is sick. Um, I, yeah. I I did want to speak a little bit about the titles of the of the poems because you guys have both mentioned it and and the the world doesn't end, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, there are no titles for those poems, but these poems are all titled. Yeah. Um. Or I guess there's maybe one or two in there that have titles, but th- these these all have them. And I think it it is really interesting thinking about the way his titles interact with the actual texts of the poems. Because, you know, I was reading an article uh, or a review of Simic or something, and they, they mentioned this, this thing that he does where, for some poets, the title is this kind of authoritative thing that, like, sits at the top, kind of looking down over the rest of the poem, and it's kind of signaling a theme or a topic or, uh, you know, something else to kind of prime you for the text. Simic's titles don't, are not generally like that. They're generally sort of, you know, either jokes that then get cashed out in the rest of the poem or they're kind of like, sometimes they, they, they function also as like just first lines of the poem, like yeah, that, that, the, that the, the first line of the actual text is responding directly to the title or flows directly out of the title um, like even I think I didn't I didn't double check Matt, but even I think the meet Eddie the meet Eddie it's 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 meet Eddie whose life is right right it only it, the, it grammatically makes sense only if you include the title right exactly 
Yeah. Whose life was as merry as a beer can flowing down a mountain stream, which right. is such a delightful image. Yeah. <laughs> like a guy getting drunk in a beautiful mountain setting, just like <laughs> flopping over and his beer can flows down the stream. He's just having a good time. He's yes. Um, okay, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i read one now. I think this is going to be good if we could just... Because I think it's... Obviously, it's more illustrative to just read some of these. Um, it's also good to fill time. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> uh, that's the whole show. So this one... Yeah, I know. So this one, this is this was one of my favorites, I think, from The Lunatic. I have a few others that I might read, but this is called The Bamboo Garden. Um, it's on page 51. Well, you guys have a different edition, I think. Um, the Bamboo Garden. Bad luck. Okay. <laughs> Bad luck, my very own. Sit down and listen to me. You make yourself scarce for months at a time, making preparations for some new calamity. Then come to shake me awake some dark night. Wiping the sweat off your face, asking for a glass of water while mumbling something about how a mixed bag of misery and laughter is all that I can expect from a life like mine, while I listen none the wiser like a blind man, holding a fortune cookie in a Chinese restaurant and waiting for the waiter to come along and read it to him, but there isn't one coming, because it's late and the bamboo garden is closed. And I, I like that one because it was, it's, it's, A, it's sort of like, you know, less imagistic in a way than some of his other poems and kind of more capturing the vibe of like this closed Chinese food restaurant where you're just sitting there like forlorn with a fortune cookie. And, (laughs) and, and, you know, but it also touched on one of the themes that I saw emerging a lot in Simic's poems, which is he's really interested with like the, the image of a store comes up a lot, but it's always like a store that's closed and kind of dusty and and or like abandoned and or like these kind of like late night like neon Chinese food restaurants. The Chinese food comes up like four or five times throughout these poems. And specifically, That's why I feel like he's like and, in a city. And specifically Chinese story. Chinese food waiters, right? Yeah. So so yeah, I thought that one contained like you know, and I think it's it's this sort of abiding feeling of like Maybe it's just something as simple as like the loneliness of of a, a city life and these stores with all of these like trinkets and knickknacks that are that you can dustily see through a window. Uh, I always think of uh, I was thinking yeah very much like the that uh, what is it, that that Hopper painting Nighthawks. Yeah, exactly. Like yes, that the the vibe of that painting was present in a lot of these ones. A hundred percent. Um. And I, I also was thinking about some of this other, these images. I'm going to see if I can find another poem where he references this idea of like these these stores and looking in through these windows because I felt like that came up a few times. But yeah, go ahead. He also has a lot of, I, the other thing I, I flagged mentally was uh, he says, oh, something mm. as an exclamation a lot. Like, oh, yes. night, like, oh, brother, oh, oh, you know, like, oh, bitter love. Like, he he likes that. He says that often. Yes, yes. Oh, spring. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that, I wonder if that's, like, not a... Uh, a tick more than a... <laughs> well, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I was, I would say tick, but I was, like, I was going to say sort of, like, self-conscious affectation to be, like, I'm doing poetry, so I'm going to say, oh, something, to, in because, some of in some of these poems, because Shakespeare did, yeah, exactly. Where it where yeah. it, where it maybe like thematically or or tonally doesn't fit in some in some cases, but it's sort of like a self 
self-conscious meta thing with the act of writing poetry itself, perhaps. Because he is that kind of, like we said, kind of this... He's funny and he's definitely self-conscious about what he's doing and so on and so forth. Yeah. (laughs) I I feel like uh, I have this sort of, like, bad tendency to want to over-academicize... Uh, if that's a word or whatever, join, you the know, da- the kind jo- of, join the dark side, baby. The dark academia side. I no, not that one. Scarves, and I'm in a uh, tower, and I'm reading. Uh, no, just like the um, the I mean, like obviously, like the notion of unpacking, but like whatever that like sort of old school scholastic kind of approach to like all written things. When, mm. as Simic, I think you said Paul mentions like in maybe one of those interviews he's just like he is we've used this term too much and it's a 21st century like commonplace but just saying vibes about everything but he that's really is kind of thing is like just sensations and like uh, uh a mood um you know and and ideally just like that whole the, just reading through it his imagery works on you in a way that it's not about being like oh okay so he's discussing uh, you know, the, the the loss of a father and how humanity is, is has always, in some sense, losing their father. You know, just something... <laughs> right. You know... Listen, I'm right here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I, I, that, but that's also what makes it tough as a, as a uh, thing to discuss because it's just a lot of what I feel like I want to say is just like, oh, I really loved this turn of phrase and then I don't have much more to say about it. It's I, like... I mean, I think that's that's all right. You know, like for instance, maybe it's something to do with our, just our like, society as a whole losing a lot of language in everyday speak or how we can like think of language in general. Maybe it's just like the summation of poetry has just become like, oh, poetry is just vibes, <laughs> and that's that's I, a. I think it's like a bad way of looking at it because as we have discussed, that we know there's a huge backlog of information and knowledge that we don't understand about what's happening in poetry no i know but my my i'm saying simic specifically uh i think has even attested to as much at least for some of his collections that you know he's not that it makes it like less um worth your time or, or somehow less complicated to do even but right uh evocation of mood and uneasiness or you know i think a lot of time he's working with a kind of very like we mentioned before kind of (laughs) memories of war kind of dark alienated european uh perspective that he's bringing to existence and and how it feels uh and that's 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 right up both of you guys alleys you guys love the eastern european darkness that is true that i is do true. i do love it well it's it's i mean i i, I think it's an interesting question because I, I i do you know i agree with paul on the one hand with in the sense that like this is kind of like why or not the only reason but one of the reasons why i have so much disdain for the like rupee cower like style of poetry because yes, it's just yeah. like it's just like oh yeah it just uh you know it, it made me feel this way and I cried and uh, it was a vibe. But of course, like, that is part of the allure of poetry. Like, it just is. And there's no way around that. 
So how do we find that? How do you walk that line between that and appreciating the sort of just like linguistic beauty, the imagistic vibes, while also like maintaining a space for like, okay, but there should be something to say about this, right? But Paul, you're kind of right too. I I like the idea of uh, like, and, and this happens a lot, like the very word vibe, which we've used a billion times on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. could in a way be a kind of good example of, of like a word that has meaning that like over farmed soil just is dry and f- like just fallow or whatever it is. And like there's no longer anything that can grow from it. It's just like, God, it's so fucking overused that it's like meaningless at this point. And so you need these new modes of expressing an idea which, weirdly enough, good poetry can do. Yeah. I think you're right, though. It reminds me of being in art school and everyone just using the word juxtaposition over and over <laughs> and just fitting it into every single critique. Dude. And it, you could, like, feel people trying not to say it. <laughs> it's just a beautiful ju- uh, co- comparison. <laughs> yeah. Ironic juxtaposition. I remember learning that word. You're dead right. And I was like... Oh, it was awful. It was so funny. I would just, I mean, some people were so unconscious of it in the critiques, too, and I'd just be waiting for it. (laughs) Yeah, Paul, you must have had a, 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 I don't know, the art school stuff must translate so well in a lot of ways to this Mm. kind of thing. Yeah, I I mean, I can, like, imagine what it would potentially be like in, like, a school of poetry, like being in Yale or something, you know? I, I I can put myself into that into that room and imagine the critiques <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I want to read another poem here uh, and this is one that, that more explicitly than a lot of the others in this collection the world doesn't end I think is a lot more directly political I would say referencing yep. referencing his childhood and, and the former Soviet Union and all that sort of stuff but this is one from this collection that, that um, suggests that that history and this is called our our playhouse we played in the shadow of murderers at work of needing soldiers out of mud stepping on them when we were done playing girls walking the streets gave us bread to eat an old dog with a limp kept us warm at night as we huddled in doorways my friends my playmates we never saw the dead only the birds scatter after we heard the gunshots and ducked our heads so pretty clearly yeah. evoking again that like kind of like bombed out like like desolate city and the the sort of war orphans or whatever they are yeah yeah exactly um and in in this one i mean there's a there's a a couple again like there's these recurring images he talks about a like a bow-legged dog limping or a limping dog like three or four times in separate different poems like he is uh, a dog in one of the poems i remember yeah yeah exactly um and, you know, he seems to be interested with with kind of like not just like stray dogs, but like vermin of all kinds, I would say. Like there's a lot of stuff about like flies and dead flies and like fleas come up yep. like three or four times um, and rats uh, and and sort of trying to. Well, that's all very World War Two, you know. Right. Just like dehumanization. Yeah, because I had a lot. I had a lot of like, yeah, true. I had a lot of almost like ups. I didn't know where he was from before somehow, and I, I had a lot more like uh, desolate upstate 
New York or Pennsylvania type vibes too. Um, yeah, that's that kind of dark pastoralism that I was. But it's because he teaches in New Hampshire, right? Yeah, I want. I'm gonna start my tea up behind me, and I'll, I'm gonna read it. But you guys keep talking. Yeah. Well, okay. and there's even a there's even a poem early on just, that's just called pastoral, and there's a <laughs> yeah. few other poems that are that are sort of just clearly hinting at that. Well, like that's the, another that's another genre of poem. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Right. Right. I've I've one to read that reminded me of like New Hampshire or something. Hit sure. it. It's called driving around. <coughs> Um, driving around, and and then there is our main street that looks like an abandoned movie set whose director ran out of money and ideas, firing at a moment's <laughs> notice his entire filming crew. And the pretty young act- actress dressed for the part, standing with a pinched smile in the dusty window of Miss Emma's bridal shop. And I don't, that yeah. one actually like gave me a lot of just, I don't know, it was yeah. good vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good it's, vibes or? I mean, not good, but it it evoked something from me. It, right, it like set a mood. But again, there's, there's a, uh, again there's the shop, right? There's the shop window and the kind of like a uh, uh, motif of like an abandoned downtown and an abandoned. Yeah, that city. one had Edward Hopper vibes for sure. Like I was, like what you said earlier, Matt. And like and, that. and that plays to like a war, like post-war torn recovery Eastern European town as much as it does like a post-industrial like impoverished New England or you know northeastern town. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Which is which is like a it's cool when those things meet like that. It, you could just read the, you could just read a couple of these poems and then you could just say you read Flea by Evandara. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and he talks about fleas in the, some of his poems so Boom, it's same yeah, thing. easy clap. Yeah. Um Full circle. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's other specific. Oh, one of the other big things that I saw uh, come up thematically was insomnia and inability to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, again, what we make of that? Okay, who knows? Sep- that's a separate question. But it. But there's this. It's this. It's uh, again this feeling of just kind of abandonment, right? Because if you're an insomniac, you're kind of like up abandoned like by the world by the the company of the people around you who have already gone to bed and everything is just kind of like asleep except for you including the rest of the world and i i I felt like a similar vibe from some of those i I gotta stop saying that now you've drawn it out of me (laughs) yeah i know um a similar sort of uh, uh uh evocative sense is just a better way to say vibe <laughs> from from we'll it out. from some of the discussions of insomnia as I did from some of the discussions of these kind of towns or these dusty old shops or whatever you know. Well, it's dreamlike what, to be Paul, awake. What, Paul? Sorry, I was thinking about that Tim Heidegger clip. Oh my God, these are your limited. <laughs> <laughs> the guy just being like, it's yes. important to yeah. go to sleep at night. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> when you're really awake, important. you have what's called limited, uh, you have limited experiences. If and you're an you're insomniac, asleep, and it's almost as if you're juxtaposing the experience you're having during the day, and it's important right. to go to sleep. Where you can like, you know, whether it be dragons or whatever you're thinking about when you're asleep. <laughs> yeah. Can I just read another poem that just... Co- cozy, cozy, melancholy winter, which I was feeling today. Please, yes. I'm literally drinking wine now, so it's perfect. Uh, the poem's called "The Wine." 
whatever solace you have for me, he's speaking to the wine. Whatever solace you have for me, glass of old red wine, whisper it into my ear with, with each little sip I take, and only in my ear. In this hour made solemn by the news on the radio, the dying fires of the sunset, and the trees in my backyard putting on their black coats. Uh, God damn it. I was like, just capping it off. Your trees putting on your, their coats. Ooh, I'm cozy. I'm cold. You know? Yes. I don't know. Well, I'm that's sad. a great example of personification. <laughs> yes. You still got that tab open? Nice. Yes. No, actually, that one was right from my goddamn mind palace. Just right from the, right oh, from the dome. Off the fucking dome piece. Yeah. Off the dome. No, that is a really good example. But yeah, I like that one a lot, actually. Um, let's see. I'm, I have. I know I had a couple others that I thought were worth reading. Uh, yeah. And, uh, anyway, uh, oh, here's one. Okay. So this is um, this is what the old lady told me. Uh, and I flagged this one because at the end it comes back to this kind of sense of characters who can't sleep or who are awake when they shouldn't be, and what the what that experience is sort of like. What the old lady told me. He sawed my head off every night and twice a week at a matinee performance. Some spectators would faint, others would rise and applaud. It was summer. The city was emptying for the long holiday weekend ahead. A newly married couple, the radio said, were stuck for hours in an elevator. God's hearing aid needs a new battery, she told me. There were cries for help and shouts in the street last night. A woman pleading with a man to stop beating her. It's because she sits at her window long after everyone else has gone to sleep, that she overhears and sees such things, and many others too awful to mention. Liminal spaces. <clears throat> <laughs> that, is that another thing? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, I mean, that obviously has more uh, connections to, like, uh, not being able to go to sleep and there's also like a female like single character involved you know there's I guess there there's more themes in this collection than I initially realized yeah and I mean I, and I think there's a lot of like um, you know he also does have a lot of kind of like old kind of like wise old crone characters uh, yeah. or, or ref- references both here and in The World Doesn't End which to me kind of speaks to the literary history of like Eastern European kind of like folklore and, fo- and, and like folk writing and folk poetry, because that's obviously sort of a, you know, you think about some of these old, I don't know, like just babushkas or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. that, it's a common sort of image <laughs> in a lot of, in a lot of that uh, literature and a lot of that sort of folklore, you know, whether it's witches or whatever, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a reference point, I think that comes through a lot in his poetry. Yeah. I'm always so interested in like, what have I received about that, that region in Europe that like is just American limited information, which must be some part of it versus like, was there already kind of like a, a melancholy aspect to the culture that w- was just accentuated by the wartime experiences Simic had as well, or was right. the war was it the war that really did it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. I mean, it's a it's an interesting question. I mean, it's, you know, surely 
our understanding of that part of the world is hampered in many historical ways by the war and what, well, you know, propaganda about the war and about the sort of Soviet era. Uh, but yeah. Um, I just wanted to read one more from this collection and then we can move on to the other. Uh, just cause I feel like this is a, one of the funny, the funnier ones from the lunatic. Yeah. Um, and I kind of want to just highlight some of his humor a little bit. So this is called autumn evening. Poor, go- poor goldfish. Some kid threw in a rain puddle. No, worse than that. Swimming in a dead man's pickle jar. Yeah. Poor fish. Yeah, and I don't really know like what to make of that poem. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah, it's that one is funny. It's like, why necessarily is it worse for the for the fish to be thrown into in the pickle jar than the rain or the other liquid? You know, it's just like that. It's a dead man's pickle jar that makes it worse for some reason. I don't know, man. I don't know it's either, also but sub- it is worse. It's art, so it's subjective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. The two different bodies of water actually kind of juxtapose each other, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and create, they do create this kind of vibe that's like very unique. Yeah, I, think, I would I, say you're right. I think it's a p- ironic juxtap- juxtaposition as oh, well. Oh, wow. My favorite kind of mm. that. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the second collection here. I didn't wait before we do it. Do yeah. you guys? I just didn't know why. Do you, do you know why it was maybe titled the Lunatic? Well, there's a, any... one of the early poems is titled the Lunatic. So um, it's just maybe like named after this, like a song on an album type of thing. Y- yeah, yeah, it could be. Uh, yeah, and that that poem is another example of sort of interesting. Not quite personification. Well, sort of personification. It's about a snowflake who's like falling and then decides to go up again and then come back down, but do it in a different way. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, simple. It feels sometimes it's heavy handed. <laughs> sure. I guess. I. I do you want to do we have like a summary sort of feeling about this collection before we discuss the next collection or you want to do both of them at the end? Well, I mean, I, I, I think we should do scores both at the end because you've unintentionally Gabe, by doing this made a comparison and created a sort of binary metric with, you know, with the two. So what by happened by just reading both of them? Well, you know, as, I like the the move. Like we've got the Pulitzer Prize winning older thing, and then the like, one of his probably super relatively recent collections. And yeah, I think he's only had like two or three come out after, since this. I don't know. I, I brought up Rupi Kaur before because every now and again I could hear her voice reading some of the shit that was in here. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and overall, again, as someone like. Not really knowing what it is that I'm looking for. I don't know. Maybe that's even the wrong frame of mind to have about poetry. But, like, uh, it it leaned more towards that skepticism and confirmed it to me in this collection. Yeah. I I wouldn't quite go that far. But I do agree that this this felt slightly more, like, kind of pedestrian in a way in terms of what I expect from just, like, normal 
kind of contemporary poetry. Like it, for me, it wasn't Rupi Cower, but you know whose voice that I could totally hear reading these poems, Garrison Keillor. Um, like i i could absolutely hear garrison keeler breaking into a prairie home companion to read some some of some of these charles simic poems from the lunatic that would be lovely oh yeah unfortunately i was listening to it you know you know biden's voice (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you you know what it would be paul to have garrison keeler reading these what a vibe (laughs) it would it would be unfortunately i have to admit it would be a vibe it would be a Lake Wobegon vibe. Yeah, exactly. You'd think, you'd, you'd think I always thought I'd be able to do a Garrison Keeler, and I I just can't. He's that's so a much very, more complicated. That's a, than it's you a think. very difficult very voice tough. to imitate. I know, but it's so distinct. it's so tempting. I've, I've my dad met him at an airport. Really, I I yeah. went I went to a Prairie Home Companion live show. No way. Yeah, up in uh, Tanglewood. Sick. I mean, at the when I was younger, I loved listening to it. I felt very um, that and car talk. I felt very uh, like like I'm kind of an adult. Yeah, I'm 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 yeah. mature, and I'm yeah. I have cult- very I'm nostalgic cultured. memories of of uh, that. We would like listen to it after dinner on Sunday night or whatever on like an old radio. Yeah, they, I, 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 like I yeah. Oh, oh yeah, me too. Or late night, late in the car driving home in the winter. It's f- beautiful. Yeah. Uh, too bad like, those mem- those moments will never happen again. That's a. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to say, like Garrison, at here, tears in rain. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Tears in the rain. I ha- I have to say, and this is going to be maybe get me canceled, but Garrison Keeler is like the one cancellation that I just choose to ignore. I just don't care at all. Because oh, yeah. he he's he was just such a. I have so many fond memories of him that it, I cannot be tarnished. I'll yeah. I'll link myself with you in that sentiment if you. I'll go down with you. Right, let's do it all together. Okay. Let's go <laughs> We're all going together. down with the ship. Yeah. Yeah. The and, ghost ship. And, and Al Franken. <laughs> Speaking of that reason. Oh. <laughs> that's, yeah. That was, uh, that Patreon was. Patreon only. Yeah, that's Patreon only content. Um, all right. So let's talk about The World Doesn't End, which was published in 1989, won the 1990 Pulitzer Prize for Poetry. Um, it's it's uh, prose poetry, which. Um, don't, re- don't really know what the fuck that means, honestly. Pro-tree. Pro-tree. Like, because it's basically just it's just it's just short paragraphs, right? Is what it is. Well, someone's someone made the joke of um because I was reading some of the Diane Williams, that like complete collection of Diane Williams. Yeah. And uh she's described as having popularized the uh or maybe not, you know, whatever, but like she works within what is now called flash fiction, I guess. Something okay. like that. And okay. I was like, yeah, flash fiction is just like the new sheen on what was prose poetry. Ah, uh, the... okay. And then I was thinking of Walser, too, because it's like he calls his his little book microscripts and stuff like that and uh, micro fictions and all this kind of stuff. It, it all seems to be floating around the same concept of like, yeah, a basically a paragraph long, more, more or less... Uh, isolated evocative not really like narratively complete imagistic you know what i mean like thing yeah that's really interesting because i i actually didn't make that connection when reading it but when you say like yeah it's sort of like a a, an ancestor of what would be probably called today like something like flash flash fiction uh i could totally see that although like I, i guess I don't really read much flash fiction or know much about it, but I guess in even in like short flash fiction, there's supposed to be like some kind of 
narrative oftentimes it's but it's just highly condensed and these don't have that feature at least generally these are way more like uh surreal yes i guess yes so this is where i think like you know i feel like simic's simic has a lot of i know he i know he actually just from the interview and from reading a few other interviews with him he, he was very he's very interested in philosophy and he reads like Heidegger, a lot of Heidegger, which I think is interesting because he seems to be very interested in like everyday objects and like again that kind of like phenomenological presentation of the the direct experience of either a situation or a specific object. Doesn't this read more as like a young man's work? I definitely noticed that like he was obviously much younger in comparison to the lunatic writing this stuff in that kind of like. I feel like prose poetry was potentially, and you said he also was like interested in maybe being a different type of artist altogether. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely felt like one of those like middle ground, like didn't really know quite what he was doing, and and it was still kind of stunting with like some name drops, and he was getting a little crazier with the uh, vocab. I mean, Nietzsche gets name checked a couple times in here, uh, as well as a number of other people. Well, it's yeah, got to be good then. Therefore, it's good. Nietzsche, <laughs> Nietzsche, good. <laughs> um all right well yeah yeah I, I i think you're right matt it, it's definitely he's definitely much more like like you said kind of surreal and playful and and just yeah maybe stunting a little bit and 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 in this collection and i think it's interesting I, you know it was a happy accident because i didn't know anything about either of these two but it's a happy accident reading them together because you get I think a, a sort of confluence of a lot of what I'm seeing as some of as like his influences, I i.e., you know, uh, uh, the sort of like dark pastoralism and like Eastern European like folkloric storytelling tradition, along you know via like Thoreau and Emerson, who he references a few times in various yeah. interviews, but also like that French surrealist like let's get fucking weird with it, like inst- yeah. instinct that he has as well. Like a lot of dream imagery and yes, yes. I read a a pretty good review on uh, from Greg on Goodreads. Shout out to Greg. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. But he he for, he started out by saying this is my favorite book ever. Whoa, pretty high praise. But uh, he he compared uh, this book to uh, like some Kafka's work, which I thought was interesting. And he wrote he wrote this book reminds me so much of the short magical little pieces by Kafka that that I totally fell in love with. It's not Kafka-esque, but rather inhabits a different part of the same world that Kafka's short stories reside in, which I mm-hmm. thought was, a, well, I thought was a good point. It's like it isn't really Kafka-esque, but I can, it's like in the same uh, cinematic universe. <laughs> these, these, oh my god! They're the yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of these like these dark, like magical little realities that have a have a kind of dream logic to them that's yes ni- nightmarish uh yeah i can see that that's a really good way of putting it yeah i thanks, can s- thanks greg yeah thanks shout out greg. to greg um all right do you guys should we read a couple of these because i have a i have a number that i could read i, I would oh, like to oh, read one i also just want to shout out the the epigraph at the beginning which fats I, waller fats waller let's let's waltz the roomba uh or rumba, whatever, whatever the proper pronunciation is. I also know Simic has a, a, a really abiding interest in jazz music, and I think that that is also more on display here than in The Lunatic. 
just yeah. in terms of the you know whatever it's cliche to just be like oh yeah jazz therefore improvisation and jazz there but you know you know what i <laughs> but mean but also but also it's a thing <laughs> but it's also a thing unless yeah <laughs> all right which one do you want to read Matt? well they don't have titles so all right i don't know <laughs> and i have kindle so i don't know what page it is um, what percentage are you at 25 okay we can we can have our markers by doing that <laughs> that's vaguely uh, helpful to me yeah this one uh this one was funny to me in a dark way. Uh, he held the beast of the apocalypse by its tail, the stupid kid. Oh, beards on fire. Our doom appeared sealed. The buildings were tottering. The computer screens were as dark as our grandmother's cupboards. We were too frightened to plead. Another century gone to hell, and for what? Just because some people don't know how to bring up their children. I so funny. It's like angry and also funny. Yeah. Yeah. The, the appearance of a computer screen kind of, like, surprised me. I just kind of forgot when this was written. I was like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right, right. But, uh, yeah. That, that's a, you had a little Steve Jobs computer screen at that point. Probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Paul, did you have anything that you wanted to start off with? Yeah, mine's at 18%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was stolen by the gypsies. My parents stole me right, my parents stole me right back. Then the gypsies stole me again. This went on for some time. One minute I was in the caravan suckling the dark teat of my new mother. The next I sat in the long <laughs> dining room table eating my breakfast with a silver spoon. It was the first day of spring. One of my fathers was singing in the bathtub. The other one was painting a live sparrow the colors of a tropical bird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that one's like wild to me. Yeah. And, and well, and again, I think that one is like, you're, you're clearly getting more of... More of a sense of his cultural background, right? Like the reference to the idea of children being kidnapped by gypsies, and mm-hmm. like that's that's like clearly a reference to kind of where he comes from. But also the whiplash of like uh, going from one status to the next yes. based on some you know rupture, <laughs> all that. But also kind of a, a strange, not strange, but like kind of outlandish, um, having two fathers. I don't know if that was too extreme. It seems pretty extreme for like 91, 92. I mean, maybe not in the literal. Well, I, I don't think he had literally. I think it was just like a reference to the two families. He was being like stolen. The idea of the, this this character being stolen back and forth. Through. Yeah. Until he just oh, saw I them see. both as okay. dads. Okay. I, I read that as having two dads and one was painting the bird and one was in the back. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, yeah. it And Paul, did you say like it felt almost like you could just sort of have found connective tissue and written like a very weird surrealist kind of vignette type story or novel with these things. I kind of get that. Yeah. I think that's one, maybe one reason I liked it so much is that it did, there was like a common thread theme without, it was like, yeah, it just, it set a move more starkly and there was a more of a combined conjoining of everything that felt like satisfying. Mm. It didn't feel but they that were also, much. Oh no! Keep going, Paul. I was gonna say they all. I don't know. No, you can go ahead. I was just gonna say because uh, it didn't feel crazily different in a lot of ways from reading uh, from, from reading Ugresich, from reading the Museum of Unconditional Surrender. Yes, I totally see that. Because there's just so much bizarre and very different stuff happening as she describes, like multiple states of her, you know, exile. <coughs> 
uh, from, you know, I, I guess regionally similar environs and, and whatever. So, uh, yeah, and just using using a lot of surrealism and stuff that obviously straight up just didn't happen. You right. Know? Like an angel didn't make her eat a feather or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To create a, to create what is uh, what is supposed to be a realistic tone to her to her actual life. Yeah. Um, I have another one that that I liked uh, again, just because I, I guess I'm attracted to these scenes of like urban loneliness and and weird, you know, sh- shut down sh- shops and stores, and maybe that's just because I like it is why it jumped out to me so much in some of these. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna venture a guess that this is at about seventy two percent. That's too far away from my scrolling capabilities. I won't it, be able to catch up. It might even be further. It might be eighty two. Okay, it's on page sixty five of my version. I knew a night owl who dreamed of being a star of country music. Oh cruel fate! Oh veil of tears! There we we drank whiskey and coffee cups and late hour dives while the jukebox spinned her favorites. She fed me forked pieces of steak while my hands strayed under the table. The choir boy counterman's ears, big ears. The choir boy counterman's big ears turned crimson. She, with eyes veiled, head thrown back, so that my next bite hung in midair. I had to stretch my neck all the way to take a nibble. What was I to do? The madness of it was so appealing, and the night so cold. Cozy. Cozy. Cozy, and but also just weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Again, it's these. It's these. You know, again, it, yeah, it just feels like these, like, um, <laughs> you know, fiction, like fiction prompts almost. You know what I mean? Like surreal fiction prompts, like like Paul was sort of talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, I got one. Yeah, please. Um, it's on, it's 20%. <laughs> so I don't know. Page 20, maybe. She's pressing me gently with a hot steam iron or she slips her hand inside me as if I were a sock that needed mending. The thread she uses is like the trickle of my blood but the needle's sharpened, sharpness is all her own. You will ruin your eyes, Henrietta, in such a bad light, in such bad light, her mother warns. And she's right, never since the beginning of the world has there been so little light. Our winter afternoons have been known at times to last a hundred years. And then it goes on to say, winter is coming, Jon Snow. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of, uh, not so much sex, but definitely death throughout all of these. Like, and, 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 uh, you and know, blood. and there's a lot of, there, and there, there's a lot of scenes of suicide as well. Uh, that comes up like, uh, I mean, not a lot, like an overwhelming amount, but it's something that comes up a few times. Um, there's not but, a lot of sex, but you're still like, he's still, you know, feeling up a lady in the, in the poem you read, Gabe, and, yes. and that kind of thing. Like, it's still like, it's present, it's just like, always in the same breath as some, some bleak void or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that that's, uh, I was, I, I was reading an article about, or I was, uh, about Simic's poetry, and I forget who wrote it. Sorry. Let me. I actually. I, I think I still have it open. Okay. So shout outs. Shout outs to uh, Jay Heath Ashley. So this was published in Literature and Theology in March two thousand three. Nice. Name. And it's called. Uh, yeah. It's called Charles Simic's Insomnia, Presence, Emptiness, and the Secular Divine. Uh, and it's basically 
kind of what you were saying, Matt, that there's that there's a lot of these poems and some of these themes seem to be rotating around like what is not just what is unsaid, but what is just like not possible to say. Right. That there's just this this kind of like void or solid ball of of nothing that the poems have to kind of warp around in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot more in that article and people people can read it if they want. But well, actually, I have a poem that I wanted to read that uh, I think kind of also just fairly directly addresses what you just said, which is it goes like this. <laughs> uh, Ghost story is written as algebraic equations. Little Emily at the blackboard is very frightened. The X's look like a graveyard at night. The teacher wants her to poke among them with a piece of chalk. All the children hold their breath. The white chalk squeaks once amongst the plus and minus signs, and then it's quiet again. Yeah, I love that one. And I, and I yeah. think, uh, you know, I, I think it sort of speaks to both this idea of, of like writing itself, but specifically because it's talking about mathematics I think it adds another valence to it, right? Yeah. In the sense of what it was, what is what may be uncapturable by these sorts of uh, human attempts. Right. You get poetry, formal poetry, and then you just get like form formulas, like mathematical formulas. Yes. Also being, right. Exactly. You know, at, at both kind of impotent in the face of death. I have one that I think is my favorite potentially. I think it's the funniest. Sure. <clears throat> I am the last Napoleonic soldier. It's almost 200 years later, and I am still retreating from Moscow. The road is lined with white birch trees, and the mud comes up to my knees. The one-eyed woman wants to sell me a chicken, and I don't have any clothes on. <laughs> the Germans are going one way. I am going the other. The Russians are going still another way, and I'm, wa- I'm waving goodbye. Or, and waving goodbye. I have a ceremonial saber. I use it to cut my hair, which is four feet long. that's so good yeah it's yeah but again right like a little more explicitly political too and and like historically located than anything in the other book but also very surreal like i I love the how blatant the like the first opening lines are just like i am the last napoleon it's almost 200 years later and i'm still retreating (laughs) it sets up like a, a it's a juxtaposition between like sometimes you gotta say the word. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it <laughs> yeah. just is. Yeah. It just sets the ground that it's auto, you're, uh, it's automatically, like you you can't believe it, you know, which is inter- interesting to me. It's just like you're blatantly lying right now. It's like you can't be <laughs> alive still. Right. But then it brings it around with the humor of like if if it is if he is two hundred years old, his hair is gonna be four feet long. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Right. I didn't even make that. I didn't even make that connection when I first read that one. I was like the four feet long hair. I just thought that was a weird little surreal flourish. But it would make oh, sense if it's, like, it's two hundred years old. Yeah. yeah, no, it's yeah. true. It's true. If anything, that's short. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah, true. Okay, here's the one that I thought was the funniest one, and this is like just just a just a classic little just play on on language. Getting back a little bit to what me and Matt were talking about, and just like anyway. Someone shuffles by my door, muttering, "Our goose is cooked." Strange, oh, yeah. strange. I have a knife. I have my knife and fork ready. I even have the napkin tied around my neck, but the plate <laughs> before me is still empty. Nevertheless, someone continues to mutter outside my door regarding a certain hypothetical, allegedly cooked goose that he claims is ours in common. <laughs> <laughs> See, that one was one of my favorites too. It's so funny. 
<laughs> and I don't know about you guys. Maybe Gabe, you have more thoughts on it, but I almost had it. Almost felt like a philosophical parable to me. Like I was missing something, but it. You know, there's something there that is gives me my philosophical spidey senses going, which that's all they get yeah, to because I, I, I don't have anything beyond I, that. I mean, I'll just say before Matt before Matt jumps in, like I think you're right. Just based on what I read about Simic a little bit in some of his interviews. It's it's always useful to be on alert for like potential philosophical references in these poems because mm. he is very interested in philosophy. There was an interview that I read with him where the last question the interview asked him was, um, you know, is there anything that you wish people would ask you about more in interviews? And his answer was basically like philosophy, because it's something that he reads a lot of and and he thinks probably influences his work in ways that he doesn't even really get. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And, and maybe, you know, I, I'm always willing to admit, like, just a, a failing here, like, where it's just, like, I like, at, at the moment, like, the more explicit nature of that, those influences, and, and is more pleasing to read, as opposed to, like, in The Lunatic, what is an older man's clearly, like, very pared down expressions, right. you know? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know who's failing to meet who at what point in in that because again yeah I, I just had such a better time reading this collection yeah. for all those reasons like it's just I, I I had this one that made me just think of our unending conversations about like art what is it I know exactly the one you're gonna read I think yeah so the <laughs> the ideal spectator who lives only for art hands folded behind his back. A black canvas appropriately appropriately entitled Blank before him. It's exactly 11 a.m. in the Provincial Museum. One can hear the rumbling stomach of the uniformed guard who has the face of someone drowned by moonlight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just entreaties about like what. Panning on a canvas. Blank and just some guard who's just tummies grumbling and he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, it's just like uh, just a very like, you know, I know in in a lot of ways it's just a fairly obvious just like, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. what is this endeavor about? Yeah, Um, and and I think that, yes, and I think that uh, there's a lot of kind of, and again, maybe this was sort of motivated by or like so many people who kind of looked at at the world wars and World War II specifically, and it caused kind of a crisis of faith, right? Right. Yeah. I think Simic has a lot of that going on in some of these poems uh, as well. Like, uh, here's, here's, I have two specifically that I'm thinking of, but this is one that I feel like specifically is like, you know, potentially just like him talking to God, I guess, or what he thinks God might be. Um, he had mixed up the characters in the long novel he was writing. He forgot who they were and what they did. A dead woman reappeared when it was time for dinner. A door-to-door salesman emerged out of a backwoods trailer wearing Chinese robes. The day the murderer was supposed to be electrocuted, he was buying flowers for a certain Rita, who turned out to be a ten-year-old girl with thick glasses and braids. And so it went. He never did anything for me, though. I kept growing older and grumpier as I was supposed to, in a, in a ratty little town which he always described as dead and near nothing. <laughs> Oh, uh, that one actually hit me hard too. I remember yeah. reading that one. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's right. It's sort of like a you know, 
I don't know. It's a it's a philosophical, spiritual crisis almost, just presented humorously. But you know, do we all just like bleakness more than than a lot of other things? Maybe like us like us three bleak. or people in general. Just us three, but maybe people in general because it won the Pulitzer Prize. But yeah, yeah, it's that sort of black humor, which you know, where it's like I don't know. Everyone at some level realizes that life is absurd and and sort of shitty and it's 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 it just adds that extra layer of uh you know relatability right and just sort of capturing what most people's experiences of real life are and sometimes that's one of, again one of my favorite images uh from one of, i forget what poem it is but it's uh i just remember the description of a uh a lady cutting off the guy's thumb with a pe- pair of golden scissors and then yeah. using the stump to to paint her lips red. Oh my god! Yeah, that was gr- that was grotesque. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's, some, that's some David Lynch. Yeah, that w- I did think imagery. that's something I would love to see in a movie. Yeah, I just that's something mm-hmm. that begs to be done filmically, <laughs> right? Just luxuriously, just like. <laughs> with your, with, the with your own thumb. bloody thumb. Well, <laughs> and it's so cool. But I, if I remember correctly, and I'm trying to find it right now, but that poem is like, it starts off with a line to the effect that like, you know, my thumb is going on a great journey or something like that. Yeah. It's like going on like a big trip. What's that famous play about like a nose that just starts to like leave someone's face and just starts to have like a? Is it just called the nose? I I, I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. The, the nose nose. Is, is it about Voldemort's nose? Oh it could be. Does he look like a that's, yeah. that's an example of the lore that we need from the Harry Potter. Yeah, movie. yeah. Exactly. A whole book written about where Voldemort's nose. nose go. Yeah, a whimsical fantasy musical <laughs> uh, with uh, Dmitry Shostakovich music set to it or something like Yeah, an opera by Dmitry Shostakovich. That's the nose? Uh, nose jumps off someone's face and masks masquerades around St. Petersburg as a high-ranking official. <laughs> that sounds pretty hilarious. I've never heard sounds of that before. Good. That sounds awesome. Based on Nikolai Gogol's 1836 story of the same name. Right. Ah, okay. Okay, there we go. That makes sense. I got, I'm got. i going to read one. It's a little bit lighter that I thought was funny. Do it. We're talking about blood and noses and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> everybody knows the story about me and Dr. Freud, says my grandfather. We were in love with the same pair of black shoes in the window of the same shoe store. The store, unfortunately, was always closed. There'd be a sign, death in the family, or back after lunch. But no matter how long I waited, no one would come back to open it. Once I caught Dr. Dr. Freud there, shamelessly admiring the shoes. We we glared at each other before going our separate ways, never to meet again. (laughs) (laughs) That one legitimately made me lol. I mean, (laughs) again... Closed stores with stuff in the window. Like Very I, 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 I yeah. feel like there's something going on there that I don't, I don't have a, a theory of yet. But I also just love the idea of Freud being a shoe fetishist. Yeah, yeah, a foot, a foot guy, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um. Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna keep reading here. This isn't. This is the other one that I wanted that I that made me think about the the sort of the relationship with kind of, you know, divinity or or you know. Uh, him thinking about the world in that way. My guardian angel is afraid of the dark. He pretends he's not, sends me ahead, tells me he'll be along in a moment. Pretty soon I can't see a thing. This must be the darkest corner of heaven, someone whispers behind my back. It turns out her guardian angel is missing too. It's an outrage, I tell her. The dirty little coward's leaving us all alone, she whispers. 
And of course, for all we know, I might be a hundred years old already, and she just a sleepy little girl with glasses. Yeah. Love it. And yeah, again, I think just that it's that sense of kind of abandonment. And then here, right, your only companion being turns out to just be another person, another human. I'll read. Uh, I'll read one too. Uh, okay. Am- ambiguity created by a growing uncertainty of antecedents bade us welcome. The art of making gods, in quotes, is what the advertisement said. We were given buckets of mud and shown a star atlas. The Minotaur doesn't like whistling, someone whispered, so we resumed our work in silence. <laughs> Evening classes. The sky like a mirror of a dead beauty to use as a model. The spit of Melancholia's plague carrier to make it stick. Like... Uh, that's mm, got to be one of my favorites. Yeah, just like, I, and it, once again, at a loss for what fully to say about it, but just you know, uh, that cr- obviously the first line, ambiguity created by a growing uncertainty of antecedents, made us well to welcome. Yes, something we've been, I feel like, talking about in a bunch of the other novels we've read prior. You know, just like, and including, you know, I think most recently the Confidence Man. <laughs> yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Just the well, and minds and grounding issues and just what the fuck are we doing? What's well, happening? And, and that's another kind of subsidiary theme that I saw in some of these poems is like this idea of 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 like many, many selves. Right. Like I, I believe the first poem in The Lunatic is about like him sort of. Let me see. It, it might. It, it's one of the very early ones. Um, oh, it's not the first one, but it's one of the early ones. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't have it. But uh, the art of making gods, the advertisement said, I like, and then they're they're clearly like making a maze. Yes, I don't know. It's it's it's. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is probably one of my favorite ones in this. Yeah, we we've, yeah, got, we've got, got uncertainty. Go for it. Um, this one's like really, it's really short. Um, but it was like, got me. Uh, the stone is a mirror which works poorly. Nothing in it, nothing in it but dimness. Your dimness or its dimness, who's to say? In the hush, your how your heart sounds like a black cricket. And that one just kind of like I don't know. I had to yeah. read that one a couple times. Like that, how did that affect me so? Like a like a fucking punch to the gut. And yeah. And what it was I like so about short. What I like about that one, Paul, too, is that like, isn't that the, <clears throat> is wasn't that the old scrying stone too? It was like a. Onyx or some sort of like black stone yeah, that they used to try like and that. look at to like predict their see the future, and then oh, it's I just, didn't know that. Yeah, Matt, you mentioned um, like mazes and and labyrinths and stuff, and that's another thing that Simic I know is really interested in. He there's a book, um, I think it's like a collection of like his notebooks and like maybe some essays and stuff, and it's called um, it's just called the monster loves his labyrinth. <laughs> and, okay. yeah, and, perfect. and so it's like he he has an interest in that and then here's another one that I like that, that references this too that I also think is is funny a dog with a soul you've got that you you ate <laughs> 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 I know they right. do have that yeah I know a dog with a soul punching hard right off the bat <laughs> yeah got it idiot got it <laughs> a dog with a, yeah a dog with a soul you've got that you apes with heads of Socrates, false priests, altar boys, retired professors of evil. I imagine cities so I can get lost in them. I meet other dogs with souls when I'm not letting firecrackers firecrackers in heads that are about to doze off. 
Blood and guts, firecrackers. In the dark to see, you ass scratchers. In the dark to see. <laughs> now he's cussing in that one. Yeah, I know. He's popping off. <laughs> a dog with a soul. Got it? <laughs> Got well, it? well, there is this interesting like thing about, like like Matt said, this, 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 I think that might be the one, or there may be another one in the other book, where he is a, he is a dog. And he's interested in sort of like the human and the animal. Um, and then on the, the next on the next page, actually, it flows into this poem, which I which is one of the other funniest ones to me. Time, the lizard in the sunlight. It doesn't move, but its eyes are wide open. They love to gaze into our faces and hearken to our discourse. It's because the very first men were lizards. If you don't believe me, go grab one by the tail and see if see it come right off. And then the uh, the whole collection ends with that three line my secret identity uh, I, is I think the this room is, is empty and the window is open I think that's my favorite poem in the book I mean at, at the very least what a fucking closer and I think it absolutely is like yeah we're you guys want to read this, it like polymorphous I, he just did I just did oh, you dude. read the whole thing oh, I'll sure. read it again my secret identity is the room is empty and the window is open Ugh, gives it it gives me actual chills, and I think it's so perfect as the end of this collection because it's this invitation to more, right? What's outside the open window? It's it's this it's the it's the endless world. It's the world that doesn't end, you know? Yeah, and it's and it's got that Cohen like quality where it is you having to like you problem solving something so simple yet kind of uh, inscrutable creates the effect of like the answer which will then allow you to to go further i don't know yes and and the idea that that you know identity like read literally right the idea that identity can be something so ethereal as a statement like like the room is empty and the window is open right like that 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 that, that is an identity right yeah. and that our identities are wrapped up so much in memory and moments and space and and Vibes. And vibes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that was uh, really a showstopper way to end it to me. Yeah, this was a this was a great this was a great collection. I I don't know who was up for the Pulitzer or how poet laureates themselves are uh, chosen. I'm pretty sure the it. I'm sure there's a committee, but I'm pretty sure it's chosen by the librarian of Congress, whoever that is at the time. Huh. That sounds the, like a fake thing to the, me. <laughs> the, well, no, well, like there's the Library of Congress, and it has a librarian, and I'm yeah. pretty, I'm pretty sure they're the kind of in charge of everything in it. In charge of determining the poet laureate, if I'm remembering correctly. The American poet, yeah, they're the representative of of letters, but I mean th that itself is like, uh, you know, the U.S. is echoing. Uh, an ancient, right? Like a kind of ancient ritual and designation that I don't think we really, you know, probably culturally give that much of a shit about. Like, is there a poet laureate? Who's the poet laureate right now? Is there one? Yeah, 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 there is. Um, I think, uh, I think it's, I think she read at Biden's inauguration, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't remember. Oh, the slam poetry girl? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember her name. I wish that yeah. Biden would have had to read her poem. I remember that poem being kind of trash. Uh, <laughs> But also deeply, deeply have a am deeply skeptical of slam poetry in general. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Gorman is her name. Gorman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I well, didn't, I didn't love it either, if I remember. But 
Um, yeah. Any any other what things you want to read or or final thoughts? I did want to read one yeah. more fi- one more funny thing. Do it. Um, <clears throat> it's just the bottom half of the poem, just because I figured it's the funniest part. Uh, hovering on the edge of the abyss, permeated with the perfume of the forbidden, we take turns cutting the smoked sausage on the table. I love America. He tell us. We were going to make a million dollars manufacturing objects we had seen in dreams that night. I don't know. I thought that was really funny. Just like the grandpa like and, cutting and just, sausage. And just being, again, just like a great like representation of his own culture and the, col- the collision with him coming to America. Yeah. It allowed him. Well, yeah. He, he had the perspective. American. The American dream, baby. Well, yeah. yeah There's like the American dream comes comes through so hard in that in those little lines like well and it's and cutting it's, sausage and saying just say, stating that i love america yeah <laughs> well and it's also it's also like literally the american dream because they're going to make the machines that they dreamt of in their dreams yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. like elon musk almost. yeah that's that i think that poem is about elon musk mm-hmm. it must be there's it, only one answer actually it, it, it must be it must be, dude. It's it an equation, be. and it equals Elon Musk. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any concluding thoughts, comparisons? Uh, we've talked a little bit about how these these collections feel very different. I mean, on my first read through of them, I was like, "This doesn't. These don't feel like the same person." And I think, in some ways, they don't still, but they do. It's you. It's definitely the same person. It's just yeah. like Matt said, you, like older and and changed. Um, Ironically, but, you know, like his the shifting identity he writes about is noticeable. Yes, in, uh, his writing. That's a good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. But at the same time, I did uh, on just a personal level enjoy the world does not end much, much more. Yeah, much, same, much more, much more. And the um, other one was a little, just kind of m- minimalist and just a little uh, Garrison Keillor vibes, lacking in content. Yeah, it felt like to me, and I, I don't know what that means for me, but that's that's how I felt. Uh, so what do you think, you guys? Are, do should we give scores to both? Poetry good. Do we think poetry good? Poetry? <laughs> do we yeah. read poetry uh, ever again? I, I think so. I don't know. I think I will actually yeah. give it a little bit of well, a try. I, <laughs> thus, looking at his other titles that are kind of around, I think they're around the same time he wrote this one. Like, just the titles alone sound good. Like Hotel Insomnia, Unending Blues, Insomnia again, Insomnia, yeah. which I have that. Uh, the Book of Gods and Devils sounds good. Good yep. title. Epic. So I would, I would potentially pick these up. Yeah, I, I, I may, and I think we probably should do more poetry on the show. Not too much, you weirdos. But all you, yeah, po- all it you needs to be rolled in. All you poetry freaks out there. Uh, if you've got, if you got suggestions for what's, what's yeah, hot. yeah, that's for real. If if, if anyone what's has quality? poetry recommendations, please hit us up. And yeah. like maybe if you're a poetry expert, you know, give us a rating on a scale of one to ten. How stupid we sounded. I think this was, you know, I, I think we played it smart. This was, this was, uh, at least, you know, this was like pretty much 50, 50 discussion and just a poetry reading, which I think is yeah. a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For us. I also wouldn't know how to like, uh, fuck. again, it, yeah, it, it, with poetry, it's hard. It's 
I think I, I, it's potentially like harder to talk about it without reading it than fiction. Yeah. Right. Like, because you can't just talk. You really can't just talk about like the story. Well, there. Yeah, because there's no story and there's there's no there's no like characters. Generally speaking, right. A lot of the stuff that takes up a lot of our time when we talk about a novel is just not available to talk about. So it's literally it's just themes and recurring images and and if we were smarter probably recurring uh, uh you know poetic forms yeah right which like rhyming. If, we, if we missed like more esoteric forms that uh simic was using yeah but also let us know what they are if they're there definitely i will say that this reading this these two collections made me realize how even dumber the the famous george lucas uh quote of it's like poetry, it rhymes. That even sounds dumber, <laughs> which is shocking. Maybe I'll put that little clip on the front of this episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> you really, yes, that's perfect. Okay. Um, all right. Well, obviously, there's no Harry Potter segment for no. this. Impossible. Not no. possible. It's not possible. It's just not. It's not possible. Um, so w- what do you guys think for the lunatic score-wise? Let's, let's break it down. I don't. I'm, I. I don't have to go first. Uh, okay. I'll give it like a, a two point three. I think something like that. I'll give it a two point seven. Sick. Yeah, you guys are. You guys are dead on. Yeah, I would say like two point four for me. Yeah. There's. It's a. Uh, you know, I think I, I don't really know what I would have thought if I read it in isolation. But the fact that I read this immediately, the world doesn't end immediately after I was like, oh, yeah, this is better. Yeah, <laughs> it was helpful. If I, we've never read like, the you know, aside from poetry being a first, we've I don't think we've read like intentionally in one sitting for an episode like two works of somebody. Uh, from, like, uh, different. We actually did. Wait, what? I'll give you a the hint. The white people. We did mock and, in. Uh, it was uh, white people and the great. What was the other one? The great god pan. I don't god buy that pan. one because it's in one collection. So I'm changing. I mean, we oh, also okay. we also did Dickens. We did to cut two Dickens stories. Yeah. Which which, which I could kind of say they're in the same that's collection. That's true. Too. Which yeah, I've right. been disappointed to see rising up. People actually listening to that episode after I mentioned it last week. <laughs> <laughs> They're just curious. Yeah. They want to hear Gabe yeah, get litty. They're uh, just fast forwarding to the end, though. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Silly yeah. Gabe. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, all right. What about The World Doesn't End, score wise? Um, I liked it a lot. I'm going to have to go ahead and give it a 3.7. Well, I'm actually right there. With you, I was thinking three point seven as well. Then just say it and let's be brothers. That's epic. Okay. I, I'm actually 3.7. I'm actually slightly higher. I really really enjoyed it. it it's a it's a dead on four point zero for me. Tight. Yeah, I thought <laughs> it was I thought it was really excellent, and I see why it won the Pulitzer. Yeah. Too good voting. <laughs> good. <laughs> have we ever been this this alike in our uh, this is this is yeah we're all like right on the same page here this pretty is pretty unified here yeah U- unified front 
Dude, I'm so jealous. What what type of vape is that? <laughs> uh, today's episode is sponsored by. Uh, just kidding. This is not actually a sponsor, but it's a. It's a. It's actually. I guess I, I don't know if I should say the brand name, but it's a snow cone ice flavor. It's very good. <laughs> I'm so happy when I hear like Matt. We, we brought Matt like around. And Matt's he a Matt's a vape, and he's like, "Fuck." I well, I'm that. I'm not now because I live in a certain fascist state. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I want grape ice again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to go to New Hampshire, I guess. Visit Simic. Yeah. Yeah. Go see the man himself. <laughs> Do you like grape ice? That's my only question to the poet laureate of the United States. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I bet he does. I bet he does. Simic vapes. Yeah, he yeah. does. <laughs> That'd be awesome if he just released like a whole collection of poems that were all like the titles of different vapes. <laughs> That's a great idea. It is. Paul, you should do it. You should start writing poetry. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, I hope this wasn't too uh, bad. I think. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think we. I think we. You know, rep- did did ourselves relative ju- like justice. I guess. Yeah. yeah, we front porched a lot of the like, uh, you know, caveats and disclaimers, I guess, which we've done for other stuff for other reasons. And yeah. If this wasn't too painful, we will try and read more poetry uh, as part of the show itself. Um, so, for yeah. sure. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Oh, check our Patreon out. All that stuff. Should have said that at the beginning. It's fine. Mm. Um, if, <laughs> if you are still here, stay tuned later this week for a special announcement regarding the Spinecrackers podcast. And with that yes. exciting thing, good night to you all. Love you. We care about you very much. <laughs>